Perfect. I can hear the Steelers playing outside. Oh, really? <laughs> you're, you're that close, I guess. That's crazy. I can hear, like, the boat, like... Walking <laughs> Yeah. All right. Hey, guys. It's Dr. Shannon Edwards. This is You Mad Bro. Dr. J is on vacation this week. So I have decided to invite a special guest on. So we are going to have uh, attorney Robin Frank, and she is here to assist me in the podcast this week. We're going to do kind of some bad tweet readings, but with messages between parents, we're going to talk about some do's and don'ts of communication, but um, I'm going to let Robin introduce herself first. So go ahead, Robin. Hi, everyone. I am so honored to be a guest on this. I've been listening since the first episode. So uh, it's really cool to be here and to be talking to everybody and hopefully providing some useful advice for people with Dr. Edwards. I think that there's a lot that we can go into, I guess, by way of introduction. I'm a family lawyer. I've been practicing predominantly family law for 13 years here in Pittsburgh. I have to add my famous Dr. Edwards disclaimer that nothing that I'm about to say is legal advice to anyone. So these aren't, you know, real clients situations. They're just situations that are similar to um, some real scenarios that we've seen in the past. So, um, but again, family lawyer here in Pittsburgh and very proud and honored to be talking to everyone here today. Oh, thanks, Robin. We are so excited to have you. (laughs) I kind of just wanted to dive right into some of the do's and don'ts of communication. So obviously co-parenting can be really emotional and um, especially depending on like what stage in the co-parenting relationship that you are in. Do you have like a case in mind or like a situation in mind that you can think of right off the top of your head that you would say is like a don't in co-parenting communication? Well, I guess I should say to start it off, we have access to a lot of communication between our clients, sometimes more communication than I would like to have access to. So (laughs) as an attorney, you know, we get sent everything. So whether they're communicating by text message or email, sometimes if they're having verbal communications, you know, they'll send us a summary, but usually I'm not there to witness uh, if they get into some sort of verbal altercation. But there's a number of apps that families use to kind of communicate with each other and that the courts would recommend. And so um, some of the examples that I was reviewing were from an app called Our Family Wizard, which is one um, that our court system here in Pittsburgh is familiar with. Pretty much all of the family court judges are familiar with it. The Our Family Wizard does have a subscription cost. I think it's $99 per year. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a separate subscription that's $119 that has a tone meter feature on it. So oh, no, um, I know that. Yeah. So the interesting thing about the tone meter is that if your parties are communicating with each other and they're saying things like, hey, you're a real jerk, then the tone meter, it's like a temperature gauge where the, the gauge goes up you know, to the red zone and uh, you have to maybe rethink. It doesn't tell you what to say. So you can over ride that and still send the message calling the other party a jerk anyway. Um, but it just, it does give you sort of a heads up, like where you should maybe rethink about what you're saying. So that's an extra, I think like $20 per year to get that feature um, added on to your family subscription. So there's a number of other apps that have similar functionality that are free or, you know, less, I think some are like $30 per year. So there's like bark, there's one called co-parently there's one called cozy. Um, so depending on where you're listening, from your court system may use something different. Um, But if we're talking about our family wizard and our family wizard messages, that's basically what we're referring to is that app. So as a practitioner, 
I can log into that app right now and I can select which family I want to view and I can view, you know, what my families are saying to each other, what these parents are saying to each other on there. Um, the judges can view it. If you have a co-parent counselor or like another professional practitioner, um, they can log in and view it. And I think that Our Family Wizard, I don't know about the other apps that are free, but the Our Family Wizard has access, free access included with your subscription cost for grandparents, babysitters, and even kids to use. And so some of the features that, you know, the kids might be interested in is like, there's a calendar feature on there. So like the kids can look at, you know, am I at mom's house today? Or am I at dad's house today? Oh, I have a baseball game, you know, Sunday at six o'clock or things like that. So it does have more than just like email functionality on these apps. There's like a place to track medical expenses. There's a place to keep all of your doctor's information. And so it is kind of useful uh, for co-parents because it does uh, these apps in general. When I say the, I'm referring to our family wizard, but pretty much all of them have the same type of features. So you can kind of look at that and see why it might be useful in a co-parenting environment. So Looking at that right now, the families that I have access to currently and the families that I've had access to in the past, there's a few main topics that they talk about on there. Some of them are like fighting over, you know, school decisions, activities, medical issues, divorce related issues, vacations, you name it. And there's probably messages on here um, about it. So each family is going to have a different level of communication where some communicate, you know, I, I can look at one family in particular has about six messages on here per day, which is maybe excessive. Um, and other families in here only have maybe one message every few months. And so it really is, there's not a one size fits all um, approach, but I will say that generally, whether it's myself or a judge, we're not going to sit here and read through, you know, hundreds and hundreds of messages as we get ready for trial. So we're relying on our families to kind of go through here and tell us what they think is important and why I should be reading it and, you know, what the impact of that message is. And so I always tell my clients, you know, remember that anything you say to the other parent, whether it's like in an email, whether it's in a text message, whether it's in the Our Family Wizard or a similar uh, app like that, is that that's going to very likely be an exhibit in a custody trial or in a divorce trial or in some sort of litigation. And so be mindful of that and, you know, try and communicate accordingly. How many families do you think on your caseload do not use Our Family Wizard or another app and still are able to kind of communicate effectively and, and nicely? There are some, and I would say that people that are, have been through the process uh, for, you know, litigation has been going on. So usually at the inception of litigation, you have two parents that just split up and um, they may not necessarily be the best communicators right then because odds are prior to them splitting up, part of the driving force behind them splitting up was the fact that they were having some sort of communication issue. So it does take a while to work through that. And for some parties, it happens faster. By the time that families come to us, some of them may have separated six months ago, and they've already kind of worked out a communication system that works well for them. Others are still living in the same household. And, you know, they're at the pinnacle of their arguments where, you know, they need a little bit more assistance in communicating. So kind of depending on where they are, um, the Our Family Wizard or the use of a similar app is not something that the court would order for every single case. But we do have uh, a good portion of custody cases that start off with using it, or maybe as things progress down the road, um, we see a need for them to start using it as communications kind of deteriorate. So, you know, I think that it is a helpful tool because I can look back through. So like when I'm looking at this one family in particular, 
they started using it in 2015. And if I pull up their messages from 2015, I can see like the tone between 2015 and 2020 is definitely a lot different where in 2015, and of course the, the kids have gotten older in that time frame too. So there's maybe not as much um, looking back into, you know, 2015, they're talking about communicating on, um, you know, diaper usage and proper hygiene <laughs> and things like that. And now it's more like, who's going to make sure that we have the softball bat uh, in the car for practice. And so that sort of stuff. So, um, but their communications with each other, I always, Think of this one example. There's a TikTok video. You know, I'm a big TikTok fan. Oh, I love it. She's going to be famous on TikTok, I swear. Yeah, so <laughs> we're working on it. <laughs> there's a video on there that um, talks about like if friends communicated the same way that you communicate with your coworkers or like in a corporate environment. And so, you know, a corporate email may very much be like, per your last request, I will have this completed by four o'clock today. And so it's like, you know, it's two friends that are communicating and it's like, per your last request, I understand that you would like to meet up at the Olive Garden at 5 p.m. for dinner today. And it's like, you know, the majority of times we don't communicate like that in a real world environment. But I think when people are using the Our Family Wizard as opposed to email or a text message, maybe they're more mindful of the fact that, hey, my lawyer can read this or my judge can read this or my co-parent counselor can read this. And it's sort of like your boss having access to your corporate emails where you have that in the back of your head. And so you're thinking like, maybe I should communicate in a more professional manner. And really when you're communicating in kind of a corporate environment, you're hopefully being succinct and hopefully being to the point and hopefully not including, you know, kind of that emotion that would come into communication that would normally occur between co-parents. And so I think that's one of the nicer aspects about it is Um, that it does have people thinking more mindfully about what they're saying and not reacting emotionally like before they hit send where text messages, it's it's so easy to do that. And the Our Family Wizard is an app you can download on your phone. And so you can use it like the way that you would use a text message. But I think when people are thinking, you know, I got to log into this app and communicate on there, then maybe they're a little bit more mindful of what they're saying. And I think that that's helpful in a lot of cases, just because, I mean, you know, having lived through it yourself, that people, you know, in the heat of the moment, you say things that maybe later you regret. And so looking at the Our Family Wizard, I mean, we still see that. It's not going to prevent that from occurring. But um, a lot of times in these cases, we see six months or a year down the road, the communication has improved. And whether that's a result of Our Family Wizard, or that's a result of people just getting to a better place in life and working with co-parent counselors or things like that, either way, that's the end goal is to get these families to a level where they can communicate about all the things that they need to communicate about for their kids um, in a manner that their communication is actually effective. I would love to have like our family wizard um, have a tagline like Hinge does where it's like this app was designed to be deleted because (laughs) (laughs) I feel like everything you're saying, I 100% agree with. And from someone who does it as a co-parenting counselor and then also for someone who has to communicate with with a co-parent it's like that sucks and like you don't want to do it but like that is sometimes the only effective way to do it without blowing things up or burning it down in flames so like eventually like I think you want parents to like get to a point where they can text each other they can call each other and they can get to like a much better place and some people can do it and other people can and some people can get there and then slide back down you know and you know, last week, Dr. Sally and I talked about how we'd been going through a rough patch and, you know, 
there's definitely been some text messages flying back and forth about, you know, between the two of us that haven't been the best. I mean, I think I told him to drive off a cliff last week. That wasn't like my finest moment as a co-parent. Um, I do apologize for that. Um, and you know, and it's just like a, an emotional thing. And it's like the things that, you know, you see memes about or things you text your girlfriends, you know, like how you're saying it's like, you shouldn't, you should not be communicating like that with a co-parent, but sometimes like you have to start off in that, well, to whom it may concern and like pursue it to my last email and shall we do this and meet here? And it's like, I mean, who the fuck really like communicates like that? But it's like, you have to sometimes because if not, then it can get, it can get really crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I saw one that was actually between um, a husband and wife who had separated and they said, why are you communicating with me? Like I'm your corporate boss. And I was kind of like, you know, I thought it was interesting that they called that out, but at the same time, I wasn't really opposed because the communication did get the point across and the people showed up for the custody exchange they were communicating about. So it was effective in that regard. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of, odd, I would say, to communicate to someone that you've been married to, you know, or in a relationship with, and you have a child with um, in such a formal manner. And so, you know, some of the Our Family Wizard messages are, are very much informal, I should say, like, our family wizard has like a search function. And so I had looked on here and just out of curiosity, I searched for the word poop and like, <laughs> I have like 52 messages that show up. So, you know, I don't want to say that they're all like very much corporate style messages, but people use it. took a giant poop today. I just wanted to let you know he is. Yeah. And so, you know, people use it for things that they wouldn't normally be hopefully communicating to their boss or their coworkers about, um, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, we're not opposed to that because again, it's like, we're looking for a level of communication that works for your family. And so one of the things that I kind of take to heart uh, was a, an example that a judge gave very early on. And it was two parents that had just separated. Um, they had a newborn. And part of what they were arguing about was the level of communication um, between each other, where if you have a newborn that's transferring households every two or three days, um, you may need to communicate with more frequency than you would need to communicate with, like, let's say a 15 year old. Yeah, that'd be and so, so um, you know, the mom in particular was a first time mom. She was very nervous. She wanted to know, again, if, if I searched for poop on her, our family wizard messages, probably like 500 messages would come up because she wanted to know every single time that kid, you know, had used the diapers and had a diaper change and what sort of substance was in the diapers and what the child had eaten that day and what time the child went to a nap and what time the child woke up from the nap and all that sort of stuff. And the dad was more hands-off where the dad was kind of like, you know what? I don't need to know what time Johnny had his diaper changed when he was right. at your house. I just right. trust that when Johnny's with you and Johnny's, you know, everything's fine unless you tell me that there's a problem. So I don't need to know what he eats. And so our family wizard can do a good job at sorting out that um, kind of dissension between two parents where it's like, you know, one parent may want to know every little detail and the other parent is kind of like, you know what, our communication is a cause for conflict. And so the less communication we have, the better. And so, um, you know, hopefully that helps you to find a middle ground. Cause what we often say is like, respond to the Our Family Wizard messages or text message or an email. You know, I think part of the issue with text messages is that people do re require uh, or expect a more instantaneous response because everyone has their phones right. and you're, you know, it's like, I know you got my message and you're ignoring me. 
Whereas like with the Our Family Wizard or an email, it's more kind of like, okay, you can wait maybe 24 hours and respond to that. I don't like to see clients usually, unless it's something about like an emergency where of course I'm going to say respond right away. But if it's sort of like, hey, I wanted to know what you thought about private school versus public school, then that's not necessarily something that requires a response, you know, within five minutes. And so we say, take a step back, think about what you're going to say, you know, sometimes wait that 24 hour period. Don't wait like three days because then that's not effective communication either. Like we always say, if it's an answer that you're not sure about, like for example, that private school versus public school issue, you know, say, hey, I read your message and I'm going to get back to you. I just need a little bit more time to think about this. Right. How's next week sound or give some sort of a time frame, you know, where you think is reasonable for you to gather the information or do whatever you need to do. So um, that's another nice feature about it is that, you know, it's not as instantaneous as a text message would be. So. And I think that that's kind of, that's something that we go over in therapy a lot is that, that one parent, and usually it is the mom, um, unless there's two moms, I have a lot of cases, not a lot, but I have at least two or three cases like that. And usually it is the moms where they're a little bit more anxious, especially if they're first time moms and they do want to know every single thing. And then the dads are, they're not hands-off dads. They just don't need all that like constant influx of information. And then the other parent will think that that parent doesn't care or that, you know, they don't care what Susie had for breakfast or whatever. And then we, we kind of have to talk about that because I think there's a fine line between one parent just like asking too much and like taking up a lot of that other parent's custody time, but also the other parent has to recognize like, okay, how old is this kid? Is it a first time parent? Like in your case, an infant. And, you know, you, you see that more often than I think is actually developmentally appropriate, but there's psychological and there's legal issues, but I, <laughs> I would freak out if my kid was taken, if I had to split custody time 50, 50, I mean, that's just psychologically, like that's not something we recommend, but it happens a lot. And, um, it comes down, like, especially in, in counseling where one parent is like, I need you to communicate to me more. And the other parent is like, well, I don't need that from you. So why do you need that for me? And I feel like that's a common thread in a lot of relationships and a lot of co-parenting relationships is like, we don't all communicate the same. And it's kind of like, I, I related to, in my sessions to the love languages, because a lot of people have now heard of it, that book, they've heard of like, what love language are you? And you need to figure out what your co-parents uh, communication language is. And you have to learn to speak that language to them, or at least reflect to them what you need so that they can give it back to you. And then there's also like the controlling aspect of it, where if you're in the midst of litigation and you're getting this email, that's like, well, to whom it may concern, and you're like, are you writing that? So my fucking attorney will read it. Or are you writing it because you want to know how my kid's day was, you know? And so I think there's like a lot of things that go into it. And as a therapist, you know, I try really hard to get my parents to communicate in a way that they would want to be communicated to and kind of showing some of that empathy and that understanding. And I do think that therapists and attorneys approach it like in different ways, because like, as you said, like as an attorney, you know, this is probably a really effective way for communicating. And it's like, okay, you, you said what you need to say. Nobody's getting in trouble. I mean, some people don't give a shit, like when they're communicating on the app, <laughs> but from a legal standpoint, I think it definitely is, is fantastic. And it's great. And even in the early stages of communicating, but in a therapeutic standpoint, from a therapeutic standpoint, I think that it is good in the beginning. And the idea is to like, get like wean yourself off of there because you should be able to like call each other on the phone or text each other and be like, Hey, 
can you, can you switch days with me? Or, um, can I talk to my kid and, Hey, do you want to go to this like sports game together? You know? And it's just like, if they, if it's on the app, yeah, that's fine. If it's on the app, but it's like, that's not like real life. Kind of like how you were saying too. And it's like, we, the goal is to like get them off the app and like back into real life. So I think like, I don't know, that's just my therapeutic perspective. Yeah. There's definitely a difference. I think in the way that people use the app versus, you know, I think that if I was a co-parent and I was getting a message on there, that's like, Hey, Johnny has a hockey game at five o'clock. Are you going to be there? That's different than you calling me up and saying, Hey, are you going to come to Johnny's hockey game? And sometimes it's very um, effective. Like, it's funny to me that people think that if a judge orders them to use the our family wizard or a similar app, or if, if uh, I recommend that people act like that's a punishment, like, Oh, you're saying that I'm a bad communicator or I can't communicate. And that's not the reality of it at all. The reality is sometimes we want to analyze to make sure that you're going in the right direction. And if you say, Hey, you know, we got into an altercation on the phone call about Johnny's hockey game at five o'clock and I don't have any documentation, so I can't use that. You know, you can testify about it in trial. Um, and then of course the other party is going to deny that that ever occurred. And so the, our family wizard does at least provide a nice streamlined, um, written dialogue that we can see, you know, not only who said what, what the response was because people, let's face it, they like to kind of manipulate the narrative a little bit where they'll say, <laughs> Oh, you know, I, um, I, all I said was that Johnny's hockey game was at five and he responded that I better not be there with my boyfriend because he would kick my boyfriend's ass. And it's like, okay, then you go look at the, our family wizard message and the, our family wizard message is like, Johnny has a hockey game at five. You know, my new boyfriend's going to be there and you better not come near us with you and your bitch girlfriend. And then, like, <laughs> of course he wrote back and said, I'm going to kick your boyfriend's ass, but you kind of. I would that. totally do that. That sounds like a message I would totally send on OFW. <laughs> OFW would mean like nothing to me. Like, I feel like if the judge had ordered it in our case, I would have still acted the same, like strongly worded email, like stupid bitch. Like I would have, I, I don't know how to act right sometimes. So I think the nice thing about it as a, from an attorney perspective is that if you're editorializing what happens, I can look at the whole chain of communication and see like, you didn't just send me the select messages where you looked good. I have access to everything that you said and I can see, you know, what the other party said back and kind of how you got from point A to point B. So if you're now at a point where, you know, the world's burning down around you and everything's on fire, I want to look at how you got there and what started that so that we can be sure that it doesn't happen again. So right. it's really effective in allowing us to do that. I think it's super funny when I get cases and, and this and the same thing happens and the client that retained me will um, e either in therapy and I'll still read them like whenever they give me their their logins, because I think that it is helpful. Like we were saying, like the tone and if they're going back and forth during a session and they're like, well, I said this and you said that, and I'm like, all right, guys, I'm just going to go and see what, what you said. And then you log on and sure enough, like that's exactly what happened. And I'm like, okay, well you said this, that's great. But you neglected to tell me that you also said this. So how do you think that we can fix this problem <laughs> in an effective way? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't ever work with people like we were talking about how, 
you know, one parent may need or want a different level of communication than the other parent? Like, do you work to come up with guidelines or parameters to say, okay, like mom and dad, do you both agree that we don't need to know um, every single time, you know, we don't need six, our family wizard messages per day about Johnny, um, what he ate for every meal, but maybe a summary at the end of the day or at the end of your custody period would be nice. I mean, is that something that you kind of mediate through in the sessions at all? Yeah, absolutely. So I can kind of get a feel usually for is this, is this person, is this parent being neurotic, controlling, like all the negative stuff I try to weed out first because I go into it thinking the worst. Um, and then, and then I'm like, okay, if I get to the conclusion that, you know, this, this mom or this dad or whomever, this caretaker genuinely just is nervous about, you know, especially if it's early on in the process, even if you're a 50, 50 parent, you go from seeing your child all of the time to seeing them at best 50% of the time and at worst, like whatever, like one supervised visit a month or not at all. So I kind of try to weed out that stuff first in the session. And then I try to get them to see each other's perspective. And I'll say, you know, parent one, can you understand, you know, why parent two needs more communication than you? And I try to get them to meet in the middle first. So saying like, okay, dad doesn't need as much communication as you do dad, mom needs a little bit more communication because of X, Y, and Z. And then they'll say, well, she's, she's a bitch and she's just trying to control me. And then she's like, he's just being a dick and he wants to like have her the kid all the time. And I'm like, no, that's like not what's going on. Like you guys both just want to hear about the kid. And then, yeah, I think that's, that's a great solution. Um, Depending on the age of the child, I'll say like once at the end of the day, I think is perfect. And then depending on the custody schedule and like how many activities they're involved in and then at the end of the custody, I guess, period of time is, is fine too. Um, but that's definitely something that we talk about and I try to get them to compromise on first. I want them to like work their shit out before I tell them what to do, but it doesn't always work that way. I think um, like the interesting thing about the Our Family Wizard too is like you said, where you have someone that Um, has been in a household where you have your child with you and then all of a sudden you have a custody order and you have, you know, whether it's a day away or 50% of the time or whatever your first custody order is, hopefully if you have your child with you, you're not on our family wizard sending off rants to the other party or whatever, you know, maybe sometimes you see that, I guess, after the child's in bed or if the child's, you know, with a family member or visiting friends or something. Um, But hopefully you're using your custody time as your custody time and actually spending quality time with that child or with that children. Sometimes we see um, the party that doesn't have custody and that's the first time that they haven't had custody and they're sitting there and the house is quiet and you know, you feel very alone. And I I get that, but don't go on the, our family wizard and send, you know, the other parent a barrage of messages about what the child is doing to kind of fill that void because that's not what you should be doing. You know, pick up a hobby or <laughs> go browse TikTok videos or something. <laughs> you know, don't don't use the Our Family Wizard to just send, you know, message after message after message because then it looks like you're trying to control or you're being needy and excessive and, you know, maybe you're posturing for litigation or whatever's going on with it. But 
I see why people would do that, but there's there's more effective ways um, to fill your time than to send 50 messages on the Our Family Wizard the first time Johnny's had an overnight with dad. So, uh, you know, try to limit it and be be reasonable. It's like, would you want to receive 50 messages about the course of your day, whether it's from your best friend, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, your mom, from anybody? I mean, I don't personally want that level of communication with anyone in my life so I don't expect my co-parents to to be of that standard either and I think that's actually an excellent point um and you know I I try to bring that point up um I know that Jess and I have talked about that I know that I talk about it co-parenting sessions and being a psychologist is it's sometimes hard in, in my personal life because I I like to communicate I over communicate I process out loud and I know that a lot of people who aren't psychologists are also like that. And I just try to kind of what you're saying, like, okay, would I talk to my friend like this? Even if we're not talking about like corporate, like emailing and boss stuff, like, okay, would I say this to my friend if I was mad? Would I say this to um, somebody that I was dating if I was mad? Would I, and even if you're not mad, like, you know, sometimes I'm sure we all say and do things that we get mad, we do things, we regret and we walk back. And then even the over communication though, like what you're saying, like the 50 text messages or whatever. I mean, maybe we text message each other 50 times a day, but you know, just try to like, I also tell them like, keep that in mind. Like it's like hard because they are the other parent of your child. Um, but just try to pretend like that person is also your friend, your confidant and like treat them like that. Like if your friend was like, okay, like I'm going to the pumpkin patch, be like, oh yeah, who are you going with? And don't be like, oh my God, you jealous son of a bitch. Like, blah, blah, blah. like I wouldn't send you Robin a text message that was like, hey, what are you doing today? And you're like, I'm going to the pumpkin patch. I'd be like, oh yeah, who's going? And you'd be like, you jealous son of a bitch. Like, oh, I can't believe you would ask me that. It's like, okay, I was just asking what's going on. And you have my kid. So also, <laughs> and yeah. I think sometimes people like forget the intention isn't always a bad intention. It might like have turned out that way sometimes, but it's not always a bad intention. Like, um, and I think that's something to keep in mind too. I mean, there's one judge that always uses the example of think about when your child is in preschool or daycare or school and you're going to a parent teacher conference or it's like a holiday break and you're bringing, you know, a gift card or like some sort of gift to that teacher or you're writing to the teacher and saying, how's Johnny doing in school? And like your communication is very appropriate. And, you know, those people have your child for 40 hours a week or some significant period of time per week while you're at work. And then your other parent who you should have that type of communication with, it's like you're screaming at in these messages. that's a really good point (laughs) yeah and it's like treat think of that try to remove yourself from that situation and think about you know how would I talk to a friend or a daycare teacher or preschool teacher or an elementary school teacher or whoever would have custody of my kid and talk about you know talk to the other parent um, in that same vein and you know use we always say use your words like to the toddlers use your words and I feel like some, some co-parents need that message too like don't just you know rant off of, uh, using every swear word in the book because you can like try to think about what is the message that I'm trying to get across here and what is the most effective way of saying that because it's not effective you you know just saying like the example that you just gave and you know I'm like well who are you going with and all of a sudden I'm I've turned into the jealous asshole and it's like well no like maybe if I had said I want to know who else is going to be there because 
you know, last time Johnny was around, your Aunt Dorothy started talking about religion and Johnny was very upset because she disavowed, you know, our personal religion and Johnny's a very religious child or something like right, that. Right, right. So, you know, why do you care? Why do you want to know? Um, because there may be more of a point to why you're asking those questions than opposed to just your jealousy or whatever the uh, other parent attributes that motive to be. Because a lot of times we see people, you know, when you're in a relationship that has fallen apart or, or dissolved for whatever reason, there's going to be a trust issue there. And so that other parent is going to be thinking that you're coming from that bad place. Even if you're asking what would otherwise be an innocent question, they tend to automatically attribute negative motives to you um, yeah. for wanting to know that information. So it's like your mind is automatically going to jump to something about, well, you're asking this because you didn't think that I changed his diaper right, or you didn't think I put him in the appropriate clothing, or you don't think I'm feeding him appropriately. And it's like, no, I'm actually just asking because I want to know how you did this. You know, how do you get him to brush his teeth at your house? Because he won't brush his teeth at my house. He hates that. He throws the right. teeth across the room. So it's like, you know, there may be a, an actual valid reason for you to be asking, but we don't necessarily see that right up front. And we just, you know, jump to conclusions about it. So. And I think that is the hard part about text, email or OFW and like not being able to have those conversations over the phone um, or in person is that you do lose the like intonation because exactly what you just said, somebody asking, okay, there's a difference between, oh, how do you get him to brush your teeth at your house? And how the text message or OFW message might be perceived as, oh, how do you get him to brush your teeth, the teeth at your house? And it's like, if you go in with those blinders on or those goggles on, then that's all you're going to hear. And then it's just like instant fight. Whereas if you kind of let your guard down a little bit, just in terms of um, receiving communication and just even looking at it from the other person's perspective and being like, okay, are Johnny's teeth going to like fall out or like be like at, at, at play here? If I don't answer this like question or how I respond to this is, does mom or dad really care about this? Just be like, just answer it nicely. Just be nice. Like, right. like one of the things that I'm looking at right now is like, you know, and we see this a lot too, is um, parents reporting what the child has said to them. And again, whether it's an our family wizard or whether it's um, an email or whatever method you're using to communicate, like this one is like, oh, little Victoria said, and that's not the real name, doesn't say Victoria. These have been redacted too, they're not real names. (laughs) I don't think I have any custody cases with a child named Victoria, but if I do, it's not that case. So I just, I made that name up off the top of my head right now, but it's like, well, Victoria came back and said that you have to pay bribe money to mommy every day. And she's like, your child support is not bribery money. Your child support is, you know, to take care of her. And why would you call it that? You owe her and I an apology for slandering me. And it's like, <laughs> if that communication had taken place over the phone, you know, maybe it does have a completely different tone where it's like, first of all, maybe they do <laughs> break into an all out argument and start screaming at each other. I don't know. But, you know, over the phone, it's kind of like, oh, guess what like Victoria said the craziest thing today like she said that you know you said that I uh take bribe money from you and really she was talking about her child support and maybe you can both have a good laugh over that because it's like hey she's four you know kids say the darndest things but Mm -hmm. on the our family wizard like me reading this message you know I'm the lawyer I'm not even personally involved in that situation but it automatically triggered my defenses just because of the way that it was phrased and so you know there are better ways I think to go around saying that and you know just kind of another disclaimer like as a lawyer I don't really 
necessarily care all that much about what your four-year-old said so like it's not like I would take that into court and say oh dad must have actually said that you know the child support is bribe money and Victoria heard him and Victoria reported that to mom Um, I don't necessarily buy into that I mean maybe Victoria did say that maybe dad did say that but the our family wizard messages um, in and of themselves are not worth a whole lot, at least out of context like that. So just that message in isolation is not going to be, you know, the nail in the coffin that gets you primary physical custody (laughs) because dad's been bad mouthing you to Victoria. That's that's going to work. So nailed him. (laughs) <laughs> every time <laughs> sure fire. I, think that, I think that's what like a lot of parents think too is like if they can show these binders or these folders of exhibits of OFW and text messages to the judge if the judge could just see this then I will get primary custody I don't know if there's ever been a case decided in Allegheny County based on OFW messages I feel pretty confident in saying that but I don't know <laughs> uh, not solely I mean I would say that one place where they are kind of useful is we have a lot of people um, talking about like vacation requests or like custody swap requests. And maybe it's kind of like, you know, something that we can address in motions court where it's like, well, I want to go on vacation from Tuesday to Friday and dad's got, you know, a family wedding on that Wednesday. And so they're communicating about that where it's like, Hey, I want to go from April 1st to April 9th. I want to take a vacation. I want to go to the beach. And dad says, Oh, my family wedding in Colorado is on April 2nd. So there's no way that we can go, you know, you can't go to the beach on the first because I need to be in Colorado on the second, but can Johnny fly down? Um, I'll fly with him to the beach and drop him off in Florida and then fly back to Pennsylvania and he can get on the return flight with you. And so if that sort of thing comes to a head where you can't work that out amongst yourselves, then yes, you can bet I'm attaching those <laughs> messages <laughs> and saying like, here's where they were talking about it. Here's, you know, mom or dad being obstinate and difficult. And oh, by the way, can I have attorney fees for this? You know, it's like, <laughs> eventually it does lead to that if you can't work it out, you know, if you're talking about vacation requests or um, custody exchange times or things like that. But as far as like a trial goes, um, unless you have some communications on there that are repeatedly like really bad, like one of our friends gave us the example of like the acronym, like the, <laughs> the parent had used like acronyms to she was um (laughs) using like a word and like the first letter of each word in that phrase like spelled out you know like a negative word and so if every every single (laughs) communication that you're using is like a code for you passive aggressively like slamming the other parent then (laughs) yes I'm gonna say you know that there's something going on maybe you need a psychological evaluation that's creative (laughs) yeah I mean there's something deeper you know going on with that so um, but by themselves, I would say that that's not going to be, you know, the, the linchpin that's going to resolve your custody case. It's just more of a tool that we use to evaluate, you know, where communication levels are uh, at that point in time. I think those are all valid points. I think we should maybe, maybe I'll say some phrases and I want you to tell me how you would rephrase it to your co-parent. How about that? <laughs> okay. Like this is, this is, I'm going to say what not to do. Or I'm going to read an example that is like not from anything. It's just like, I'm going to think of them off the top of my head or, or that I've heard before, but (laughs) not any of my cases right now. Okay. Um, how about dear Mary, Johnny said that you were screaming at the top of your lungs at him because he wanted to play xbox with his friends and i think they are a horrible parent and how could you ever yell at our child 
I think that you are disgusting and I can't stand you. And I think that he should come live with me whole time. Sincerely, dad. (laughs) (laughs) I would say the red flag first went off at the word disgusting. So any sort of like name calling or negative tone, you know, I'm not going to react well to that, whether it's a person on the street, whether it's a friend, whether it's a parent, if someone says to me, you're disgusting, automatically, my response is going to be something negative. Or, you know, I very few people, I think would react to that by saying, that's okay. You know, they're not going to let that roll off their backs. And Mm -hmm. so you know, if the issue is something about video games or one parent, I guess, being being belligerent and disciplining. I mean, there's a few things going on with that example. So you have <laughs> a parent that's yelling at the child, the mom, you know, buying into what the child has said, or I guess you, you signed it off as from dad. So dad, you know, buying into what the child has said about mom yelling about the video game playing, and then also um, the, the video game playing in and of itself. And so maybe like with that sort of example, you need to sort of approach it as, you know, we need to talk about the video game playing so that we can get on the same page. I noticed that Johnny has been playing a lot of video games at your house, or Johnny says that he's been staying up till two o'clock playing video games at your house. And at my house, we have a strict two hour video game rule that seems to work well. Um, but Johnny's tough to deal with and Johnny has a really hard time when in that two hour time period has elapsed, you know, he doesn't want to get off of the video games. Can we get on the same page about how that's going to be handled? So I would, re- great. <laughs> I would refrain from <laughs> the accusatory tone where you're calling, you know, the name calling the disgustingness, the saying that Johnny's saying that you're screaming at him. I mean, if, if again, a parent's screaming at the child, um, or the child's reporting that the parent's screaming at the child for whatever reason, then maybe that is something thing that you want to address. But I think that that's kind of a separate issue from the point of sending that message was to get to the root of the video game um, issue that was raised. So okay. I would maybe that's try to fair. extrapolate things into different <laughs> conversations. Like I don't like, you know, when you get a message that has eight different points, and again, maybe this is something that co-parent counselors and lawyers disagree on where if every single message that people are sending is resulting in some sort of negative communication, then maybe if I'm the co-parent counselor, I do say, okay, try to send one message per day or one message per week. But the flip side of it is I hate getting messages that have like eight different issues because by the time I get to issue number eight, I'm like so ramped up because it's a lot to deal with. So I would say it kind of depends on what the issue is where, you know, if you've, you want to talk about Johnny playing the video games, then stick to that. And if you have another issue where you think the parents being inappropriate and screaming at Johnny, because odds are that parents not just screaming at Johnny about the video games, that parents probably screaming at Johnny about everything. And so that's a whole different issue that could maybe be in a separate message. Or maybe Johnny's lying. <laughs> yeah. No, they never lie. What do you mean? Oh, lie? that is like the biggest thing. It's like I I love it. I'm being sarcastic. I hate it whenever parents come to me and this happens without fail all of the time and it's like, well, she's letting him do this or he's letting her do that and the and I said, "Okay, well, where are you hearing this?" And they're like, "My 12 or 13-year-old." And I'm like, right. "Okay. So, has your 12 or 13-year-old throughout the course of your separation and divorce, ever been untruthful? No, never. Okay. Like, what about just like school or anything? Oh yeah. Well, with school, I said, okay, well, like, what about with, you know, X, Y, and Z? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But never when they're telling a story about the other parent, they are 100%. And I'm like, you do understand that even in intact families, like if a child doesn't get what they want from parent one, they will go to parent number two, especially if they know that those parents are fighting all the time. All right. 
it blows my mind. Our kid would do the same. I fully expect that out of her in the next, I don't know, three or four years. She still does it right now with homework and stuff. No, I don't have any homework. Okay, great. Send her back to dad's. Why didn't you tell me that she had homework? I, she told me she didn't have any homework. I don't <laughs> yeah. And it starts at a really young age too. Like I'm always surprised, but kids Six as as children like, learn how to manipulate. Right. From the second that kids are old enough to communicate at all, like they're learning <laughs> that system and they're learning how to play those games. <laughs> <laughs> Subconsciously or consciously, it, it happens. So like if one parent, let's say that they they do have good communication and relatively good communication and they have a huge argument and it gets to you, like, what would you advise them to do? Do you advise co-parenting counseling? Do you advise them to like talk about it amongst themselves? What as an attorney, what would you advise? Because it would be definitely different than what I would advise as a therapist. Right. And I mean, that's the approach that we take is like, that's a hard issue because it's not something that we want to be running into motions court for a custody trial, you know, six months to a year after you file for custody. So it's not something that happens instantaneously where, you know, over the course of that year, maybe the parents are gathering evidence or gathering things to use in the trial, but it's not going to be an instantaneous response to say like, Hey, you guys are fighting. Like the family court system is not designed to be an immediate resolution to every fight that no parents have. (laughs) often it's the opposite where that system, you know, goes through um, mediation process, a conciliation process, things like that, because we're trying to get those issues resolved without a judge being the one to decide. So if clients are coming to me and they're saying, you know, we're arguing all the time, we can't even agree about the most simple basic function, then my response is not going to be, you know what, let's just wait till we get to the custody trial because you're living that life for the next year, you know, while we're waiting for your custody trial date. And it's like, I don't want to see that for my clients. I want, you know, like, you said, to get to the point where you're able to communicate effectively, because that's a headache for me. The fact that you guys on Friday at four o'clock are fighting over the five o'clock custody exchange. Yeah. I may or may not be in without fail. Without fail. Yeah. And someone's got to be, you know, someone's got to be there to pick up your child. And so I'm, I'm mindful of that fact that we've got to get you to a better place and that getting to a custody trial and getting you more custody is not necessarily the answer because whether you have a hundred percent custody or whether you have, you know, 50% custody or 10% custody, there's still going to be some level of communication that needs to occur between you and that co-parent. So if someone comes to me and they're saying like, we have issues in communicating, I'm looking at, you know, again, how did those issues start? What's triggering them? Can you maybe stick to putting things in writing for a little bit? Does it help you? One of the things that you suggested in an earlier episode was having like a sit down dinner or something like that. And if you're at the level where you can meet face to face and have that sort of communication in person, then great. I'm not going to discourage that from occurring because whatever works for you, you know, whatever's worked for you in the past to get to that point is what we need to look at whether we can implement that in some form. And maybe it's a different form. Like you used to sit down at dinner and you used to talk about those things and now you can't do that at this particular point in time but can you have an email exchange over it can you have a four-way conference you know I've had situations where I've said write up an agenda and if the other lawyer is someone that I get along with I'm comfortable you know going and meeting with that other lawyer and with the two parties and trying to mediate through it ourselves co-parent counseling is another one where we like to say you know what does the co-parent counselor think because the reality is I'm, I'm trained in the law and so the law doesn't have a clear-cut decision 
decision for, you know, moms arguing about this and dads arguing about this. And it's not like I can pull out a code book or a statute and say, here's the right answer. You know, it's like, don't <laughs> go statute over, for feelings. <laughs> yeah, like don't go over 25 miles per hour and where the speed limit's posted at 25. Like there's not a clear cut solution for it. Right. And so I'm looking to, you know, professionals like you to say, hey, maybe you should talk through this with the co-parent counselor. Or um, I have one set of um, parties that uses, they have a friend that is like, and again, this doesn't work for everybody because you don't necessarily want to put your friends in the middle of a situation. But I was kind of impressed that the level that these people were at, they both said, we have a trusted friend, you know, and he's really good at what he does. And he's always mediated through our disputes in the past. And I was like, if that's what worked for you guys during your marriage, if you were fighting and you went to, you know, gym to say- who's right. And Jim, God bless him, is able to say, you know what, mom's right on this one or dad's right on this one. And both parents still liked him enough to to trust him. Then, you know, he had a great relationship with them. And he actually said, I don't mind, you know, send me your emails and I'll say who's right and who's wrong. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be a co-parent counselor. But I, again, with the caveat that I would caution people from doing too much of that, because your friends and your family are hopefully going to be your cheerleaders and they're in your corner. And so you don't all, you don't want that negative reinforcement where I'm taking everything to my mom or to my dad or to my best friend and saying, here's what, you know, my ex did. And what do you think about this? And they're going to say, oh, he's totally wrong. You're totally right. Whereas (laughs) the nice thing about the co-parent counselor is that hopefully they're, you know, more of a neutral party in that where they can look at it and say, okay, you did this well. And this is what you need to reconsider in the future. So I think that that's like a super good, I think that's a great point because I think that, especially like you're saying, like with friends, you want them to be cheerleaders and supportive. And like, we have talked about that on previous episodes where you want, you know, and, and to the extent that you talk to your friends about, you know, uh, you know, so-and-so is doing this and it really sucks and blah, 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 and getting support, you know, you want your friends to equally be like, okay, well, you're also kind of being a dick right now, or you're kind of being like bitchy and you want that like reflective support, but you also need to keep some things like between the two of you, just the two of you so that it doesn't bleed into those like other relationships. And I think that that's a good point too. And having like the co-parenting counselor or like the attorney to like feed things. Well, let's try to leave the attorneys out of it. No offense. Um, <laughs> you're, you're getting a big bill if you bring me into it. I mean, that's the reality. Yeah. Not just me, not right. just me, but any attorney. <laughs> no, we're not there to be your friend. It's like, I, I remember I had one client who... Um, she was like, so I get charged for every phone call and every email that I send to you. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. And she's like, wow, you're a really expensive friend to have. And I'm like, you know, I'm not really like your friend. And granted, like, yes, it's a fine line. Like I like to, you know, be friendly with my clients and hopefully get them to a better place in life. But I'm right. not there. You know, your friends serve a different purpose than your attorney in most right. cases, I would say. So yeah, hundred percent important to keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just try to just be nice. Just talk it out everything, it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have other uh, examples on there? Uh, I think we have one more. Um, I guess we can use the one that I said earlier that was mine that I fucked up on this week when I told (laughs) um, Dr. J to drive off a cliff and I'm not really that proud of it, but I'm, I'm willing to call myself out on that and keep myself accountable. You know, things have been a little bit, we, I said, we talked on the last episode, things have been a little bit difficult, but I didn't mean it. So what would you recommend? Yeah. You know, again, if that sort of thing, it's the way that we would present that in like, let's say a custody trial would be out of context. And so you may have said afterwards, like, 
your next five text messages are like, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean that. I've cooled that off. I said, yes. But <laughs> you can bet that if I'm going to a custody trial and I'm introduced and I'm representing him, then mm-hmm. I'm putting that message up there. And I'm saying, here's my exhibit A is her saying to go drive off a cliff. And I'm not going to do you a favor and put in exhibit B, <laughs> and B which right. are your next five messages apologizing for the exhibit A. So hopefully your attorney is someone that is on their feet and would put those in on your behalf. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily happen like that. And yeah. so I would say to my client, you know what, next time, instead of saying, go drive off a cliff, maybe you say, you know what, I'm really upset about something right now. We need to take a time out or I need to reflect on this a little bit better and get back to him when you're not in that frame of mind. So, um, and again, sometimes it gets worse. I think the more you dwell on things, I know that I'm that type of person where if I'm upset about something and I'm like, I need to just like sleep this off, wake up tomorrow and look at it with a fresh set of eyes. Half the time, you know, I'm going to sleep and I'm able to do that successfully. And then the next day I wake up and I'm like, I don't know why I was so upset said about that. It seems like a minor issue now. Other half of the time I'm laying there and I'm tossing and turning and I'm yelling on it. And then I wake up the next day and I'm ticked off because I haven't gotten any sleep because (laughs) you're the jerk that made me mad right before I was trying to go to bed. And so, you know, but I would say just to do whatever it is that gets you in a better frame of mind, whether it's listening to, you know, a Lizzo song or something like that, blasting your favorite music, going on TikTok, talking to your friends, talking to your family members, and kind of working through what happened that made me get to that point where I felt that upset to say that, and then talking through it later once you're in a better place to talk about it. So that's That's really the only thing is, you know, you can't, talk when you're in the heat of the moment because you got to cool off because I, th- I think that anyone that gets caught up in the heat of the moment having a conversation at that time usually is not productive I mean maybe it shows how passionate you are about that particular issue like hey I'm really really mad about this and you're not going to understand that in any other way unless I tell you to go drive off a cliff because you saying I mean the reality of it is you saying I'm really mad at you right now doesn't necessarily convey how mad you actually are so right it's not an ineffective communication because it does get your point across that you're really, really ticked off about something. Right. Um, but again, I mean, maybe the better way to phrase that is I feel like you should drive off a cliff right now. So let's talk about this when I no longer feel that way. That's a good idea. <laughs> like I know I, I would feel the same way. Like I know if I would have, if it would have been switched around and I would have gotten that, my text back would have been, whoa, we should yeah. probably talk about this. <laughs> yeah. But again, I'm also the psychologist and I'm also, you know, I would say like 50, 50, like if I get that text message half the time, I'm like, okay, let's chill out. But maybe what upset you has also been very upsetting to me. And I'm in that equally upset mindset where I'm like, no, you should be the one that drives (laughs) off the cliff. You know, like, (laughs) I don't know that my response to you is necessarily going to be that productive at that particular moment. Right. And, yeah, I like that. And that's that's maybe the response is, hey, let's schedule a, a co-parent counseling session and talk about this. Hopefully, don't come to your lawyers. But the reality is, I'll probably get that message in my inbox, like on Monday morning from yeah, exactly. somebody. You know, the client says, oh, so Dad told me to drive off a cliff this weekend. So <laughs> R.I.P. Like, your weekend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sad but true. <laughs> Never fails. Right. Uh, we're all trying to be better, myself You're- included. Your co-parent counselor is clearly working at four o'clock on a Friday. Go ask them and not me. Exactly. (laughs) Never fails. Well, I really want to thank you for being on today. I really, really appreciate it. And um, I do you have anything else that you want to add before we leave? 
No, I think that was great. But if you have good co-parent counseling examples of communications for future podcasts and you would like to send them over to Dr. Edwards, then I'd be happy to come back and do another analysis of them at some point in the future. And again, we would take your names out and any sort of identifying information out of there. But I think if you have a question that you are wondering about, um, I'd be happy to take a look at it too. So if oh, you, I would love that. If you want to do a future follow-up part two with like some real life examples, um, I'd be glad to be on board for that. That would be awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Anytime. It's been fun. I know it has been. We're going to have to have you back on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, you can um, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And um, you can DM us at umadbropgh on Instagram, uh, umadbropgh on Facebook, and then umadbropgh at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week. Bye.